This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Here we are. Round two of the cross pod between High Hopes Pod, Jack Fritz, James Seltzer, and myself, Kevin Franzen. That is right. Pine tar for breakfast. Eat it up, folks. What's going on, fellas? Oh, man. You know, what are we, less than, you know, 30 hours from baseball? Let, ooh, I think Even we're less. 25. We're like at, we're, right now, 24. we're like just a little over 24 hours from baseball, like 24 and a half hours from mm-hmm. Okay, so, so let's go. that excitement you get from Jack and then the let's go, which is actual real excitement from James, <laughs> uh, I like, no, I, I just, give me what you guys are feeling right now because I think, two, let's just go. We could say a month ago, but I would go two months ago. Seeing this time, it was pretty. I, I would say it was pretty blurry, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I I would if you if you were asking my my honest opinion like two months ago if we were gonna have an opening day, it, it was shaky. <laughs> I mean, it was it was straight up shaky. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, and the fact, like, honestly, the fact that it's here, you know, and it's so funny, the whole time leading up to the 60-game schedule being announced, it's like, oh, this is stupid, and <laughs> it's millionaires versus billionaires, and it feels like all of that's just out the window because baseball is coming back, and it feels like... Wait, it's because it's society, so it's just normal. Like, yeah. you just ignore something that happens, you know, a little bit ago. So anyway, keep going. It's just nice that, it's, <laughs> it's nice that everyone's back on the same page, and it feels like... For the first time in a while, we're, we're almost getting some normalcy back in our lives. Um, and honestly, I don't know how we've made it this far without baseball. I mean, baseball in the summer is just a part of just a part of life. Like baseball is what you do every night, seven oh five. You know the Phillies are going to be playing, and we haven't had that for for I don't know three months. And it's we've somehow made it. I, I would like to pat everyone on this podcast on the back. Because mm-hmm. I mean, shout out to us. We, we we made it through the tough period, and in less than I mean, this time tomorrow we'll be gearing up for the first game, um, Scherzer versus Cole, which I don't think could get any better than that. And then on Friday we'll we'll enjoy a nice two one loss to the Marlins. It'll feel like everything's back. <laughs> it's actually four months, Jack. Let's not undersell how long we've gone without baseball. And we expected. Really almost five months if you count missing out on spring training. Uh, I think you nailed it. It's one of those things where I was so mad for a couple months there at everyone involved. Far more at the owners than the players. It wasn't even close. But by the end of it, I think everyone was just annoyed and pissed off with every single person involved with it. And it literally, like Jack said, I mean, I was mad. I was legitimately mad. It's all gone. I, none of it is there. And I'm sure it'll come back when we get to 2021 and all that stuff. But... Um, it's all gone. It's just pure excitement, pure readiness. Like, like Jack said, like we have summer days. It's beautiful out. It's hot out, and and there's no freaking baseball. That has to end. It's time for that to end. Well, like, uh, I, I, I'm ready. What's crazy is I'm already planning Saturday. Like I, so I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm moving into the city, right? I'm this weekend. I'm a, I'm official. I'm officially. Ch- I've, it's locked in. Uh, we are oh, we are, we are finishing finally. finishing the move. God. Yeah. So we're finishing the moving process this Saturday, and I was like, oh, I have all day. I have all day on the weekends anyway. And then I was like, oh snap, the Phils play at four. So I gotta start planning my day around the Phillies again. Do you know how weird that is? Planning yeah, my day no, around the Phillies because they're the new norm. What we've been talking about, like I, I've been trying to get in a routine. And I don't blame you. 
the routine's a little weird right now. I have no idea. Like timing's off. Like we got are, a six oh five scrimmages. Pack, are we just gonna breeze past Jack saying oh snap? Are we just gonna like Yeah, I was trying to because right if we that? if we draw a light on that, <laughs> it, it's just not gonna be good. Well good golly gosh, guys. I mean Oh yeah, eh? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I could have said another word, but we're a family podcast, so I went with those snacks. What did you want me to do, James? No, I look, it, what's cool is that, you know, getting a routine back is normal. And I think that, that, that part makes me excited for this whole thing, number one. Number two, you're going to go Scherzer-Cole as a better matchup than Nola Alcantara? Just a little yeah, bit. Man. It's pretty messed up, Jack. I mean, we are big Sandy Alcantara fans normally on the IOPS podcast. I'm disappointed. <laughs> well, I do love the entire Marlin staff and most of the bullpen. I, I, fun, I do Dude, like that's that. That's why they're scary. I do. That's why they are scary. That Marlins team is scary. Like, for not scary from the sense of, like, they might no. make the World no. Series. No. no. But, no. In a, no, but in a shortened season with that yep. rotation? Well, and just to the Phillies. I mean, look, we saw it last season. How could you not? deep down have a little bit of fear of this Marlins team when we saw what happened last season. And Jack has said this many times, and it is maybe the most on point he's ever been with anything. Wow. Corey Dickerson is going to own the Phillies soul this year. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Corey Dickerson is going to be awesome against I mean, us. It is be- what it is. Between Corey Dickerson and Jorge Alfaro only showing up against the Phillies, Ooh. it's just going to be... It's Those cr- are hot takes, though. Well, Those the, are hot takes. It's so annoying because Jorge Alfaro, for the most part, stinks. And then he plays the Phillies, and everyone's like, I don't know, should we have gotten rid of this guy for JT Realmuto? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know what's crazy is that like you look at you look at the Marlins and you can understand how, you know, last year I, I think everyone was saying whoever does the best against the Marlins is going to be in the they're going to win the East. And by the way, who was the best against the Marlins? The Braves. That would be the Braves, and then number two would be the Nats. It's like it, it, it was uncanny. But this year is different. When you got guys that, you know. I'm not going to say Jonathan VR is, is, is someone like legit, like he's going to put it, but he gives you a little uh, bit of nerves in, fantasy, in the fantasy world. Okay. Oh. No, but I'm Let's saying like, he, he gives you a little bit of the, like, you know, like, Ooh, but they're he's they scary. Arms. Dangerous. Yeah. They have arms and it's not one where, you know, when Jack was talking about like a full season, you're going to have some of those arms die off and you know, they're, you know, young guys, especially, that aren't going to be able to keep it for 162. Uh, 60 games, that's why it scares me. You know, well, like also, with it. Also, to the point of, of the fact that it is so much more important that the Phillies do well against the Marlins this year because you've only got 60 games, and a lot of them are against teams that are really good. <laughs> you don't yeah. have that yeah. many give-me's this year. Like well, You just don't, so you really have to take advantage of the teams that you're better than. And I'll be surprised. I'm not going to be surprised because I, we've seen how the way uh, Joe Girardi has these guys prepared, anyways. Um, a Gabe Kapler clubhouse isn't bad, right? I mean, it, it, good vibe as far as you know, guys walking around doing that stuff. But there's, it's a little calm, right? And you go into a situation when you're playing the Marlins, that calmness plays out on the field as well. Some days it's great because, you know, you're all amped up and you don't need to be amped up in baseball like to, you know, want to run through a brick wall. You don't. But there's that sense, of, that, that, that little sense of urgency that you need against a team like the Marlins. And so you could just sense that the clubhouse should be different this year. And especially against a team like the Marlins, who you should beat, but you know it's baseball and anything can happen and all, all that stuff. But it's like... It, they cannot come out flat against a team like them. Now, Kev, do you think do you think the players 
feel that sense of urgency. Like yes, I like, I th- I think they do, and yeah. I I hope they do. But like we're we're more hoping that they feel that sense of urgency in a sixty game sprint. And I don't know. It's we always talked about the Marlins last year. Like why I think they struggled so much was because they had to create their own energy. And because when they would go down there, they would just seem to be flat. Yeah. Like I, it. I hope I I hope that they feel the same sense of urgency that we've been telling them that they should feel for the last four months. Yeah. Well, the other issue with that is that the it doesn't seem like the organization has felt the same sense of urgency with some of their moves too. You know, I mean, like the I mean, not hanging on to Liriano for whatever reason is a big surprise. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And um, you know, just kind of the the message you're sending to your players is that, you know, Spencer Howard not being on the opening day roster, which I agree with. Jack and I have talked about it. We agree that, you know, the year of control is is just more valuable when you're talking about five days. But if you're the players and, and Howard's not up to start the season, that's a sign that maybe you're a little bit less locked in and, and whatever. So I do think that that's a, you know, could be something. Look, I agree with both you guys on this. And for me, this, the Spencer Howard thing is like, Thank God I'm not a GM, right? I mean, it, it, there's certain, there's certain there's certain scenarios that I couldn't I know I couldn't handle, and that's one. Uh, when to choose, you know, pick and choose the right time. Also, the way I look at it too is, and people are gonna laugh and everything, but the Vince Velasquez, Nick Pavetta, Cole Irvin, the way they started out during this summer camp. Well, let's not I throw Cole think, Irvin in there, please. He is gonna be a piece of this. Not on this I, podcast. I, I, I'm just telling you right now. That they that is a reason why they could do this for five days. Now let's say they came in back into summer camp and they weren't throwing well. Like we're just talking like erratic, you know, not 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 anything, right? You would under you, you couldn't understand Spencer Howard being down. But those guys doing the way you know the way especially the way they looked, especially the way Vince looked in New York, I, I think that's a reason why you could do the five, six days, whatever it is for Spencer Howard. The, the the Liriano one kind of yeah kind of perked me up a little bit. Um, it, it just you know look they're they're pushing up against the luxury tax. What if I told you that's a bummer though, man? Like that I get a it, bummer. I get it. But what if I told you? What if I told you? This is all hypothetical. That the Liriano Swarzak, not you know that extra three mil that you know possibly more that would send him over the luxury tax was the extra three mil that was going to go to JT maybe in an extension. Well. well, well I, I, it would be massive, I mean, I, but but yeah, it, it but, would be massive. But, but at the same time, like you're hurting the the roster right now. If you said that three million is going to go towards someone at the trade deadline that can help put this team over the top, like I could see that as well. well the trade deadline's next week. Isn't yeah, it? I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But it's still, it's like it's an annoying. It's, Just it's, go over the tax. <laughs> Just go over the tax. That's what we're beating around the bush. Just go over the tax. This is not that hard. You're a big boy. Philadelphia is at one of the top markets. You have a you have a pulpit from which you can wield power. Like act like a big boy. John Middleton has told us he's gonna act like a big boy. He's gonna go out and be the Steinbrenner of the South. All that type of stuff. We've heard all that stuff. Like show us. I would say the the yeah yeah if it, if you look <laughs> at it with Bryce. That's showing you. Uh, I would I would even say, you know, with Didi for one year, that's showing you. Because, I mean, obviously you're paying for, for Gene, right? And, and now you got a couple shortstops there, and you're going to move them over, do this type of thing. Uh, I Yeah, I, look, the team's getting – the team is better. If you sat here and said the team – is the team better than the last year yeah. or last two years? No question. 100%. 100%. 
Well, and, now, and, like, and this the depth t- is all created as well by what? I mean, your minor league system. So that's the other part of this. Well, and that's the nice that's the nice part about this roster is that the depth's actually there. You know, the last couple of years it wasn't there. I, I, the, I wish Forsyth was on the team. Uh, you know, I, I like yeah. I like Josh Harrison. I'm not the biggest like I don't get the Neil Walker thing. I think he's fine. Uh, I think they had other bench depth pieces that I liked a little bit more. Um, I mean, Torres is a Yankees guy, so I guess he wants to. Like, Torres hasn't really jumped out at me. It's nice. Oh, he's he's been special. Special. Defensively, defensively uh, he's been special. And in a situation like this, you need something like that. You have to have your, you have to have your defensive. You have to have one defensive-minded first, you know, guy right on your roster. As far as the de- you know, on the bench, he's that. There, there, you can't you can't sit there and say he's not that. He is so good at shortstop as far as giving you. I think a, a, a not a sigh of relief, but you're just like, I'm confident. If something were to happen to D-Day for, DD for a couple days, I can move him over there. I can move Scott over there. There's a lot of scenarios where you could do things. But uh, the Ryan Torres one, I think he's a he's been a lock for I think since the end of spring training, anyways, because just he was swinging the bat well, well enough, and he was also producing defensively where no one else is off this. Right off this roster. Yeah, I mean, look, that's fair. I I, I get what you're saying, and I, I understand that the concept of you want to have a, a bench guy who you feel comfortable sticking in any of those infield positions. I think is an Im- important thing, but I also think, like, to the flip side of that, I mean, Scott Kingery, like you said, can play any position in the infield. Segura but, can play any position in the infield. Like, you have guys that you could move around. And I don't know, you know, I know that this team offensively should be fine, but I still like the idea of a guy who maybe he's not as good a defensive player as Torres, but, I mean, Josh Harrison, Logan Forsythe can play a lot of different positions, and I feel a lot more comfortable with those guys getting at-bats, especially meaningful at-bats, if that depth is needed, than I do Torres. Well, you get Malvern prep zone, though. Oh, hold on. We forgot. We forgot. Friend of the podcast, Phil Goslin. I mean, he's betting. He's white hot. He's white hot. I mean, he's betting what, 900? I mean. Guys like him. You know why? You can tell they're throwing fastballs down the you-know-what to him. Come on. No, he's been been fantastic. I I mean, he he is bringing you that, that added depth that, you know, Josh Harrison had, Logan Forsyth had. Uh, and, and playing multiple positions, but he's doing it where you're going, okay, like, remember Brian Price the other day was talking about lightning in a ball, right? Right, with the relievers and everything. Uh, I, I, they might have it with Phil, in all honesty. Yeah. Because the guy just rakes. Now, would you would this be too drastic, or do you think it's fair? Do you think it's time to start building the team around Phil Gosselin? Anyway, Jack, uh, he's 30, you know, he's like, dude, you got you got old. two podcasts. You got the Hot Take podcast, and you got this one. You know, so listen, uh, he's barrel he barrels is back, baby. Thirty-one <laughs> years old. I'm, I don't think the Phil Gosselin breakout is finally coming. Can he be a nice bench bat? Sure, I suppose. For me, I'd still rather take a guy like Harrison, like Forsythe, who has an actual track record in yep. the majors of yeah. success. That, well, that's yeah. that's uh, you know, and and again, it just all goes to that point of it feeling like. The Phillies are not as invested in winning this sixty-game sprint as I think we would like them to be. But that's but that's the thing, though. I think in actuality they are. And just here, like on the on this one, it's for me the way I look at it. When you're going for the sixty-game sprint, like a guy like Phil, like the the way that he is coming out and going, yeah, he is white hot. Like we're talking, can he do that to rep? Can he replicate that during the season? 
Who knows? You got to go with it, though, because in the 60 games, you don't have that feel-out period, right? You don't have that chance to be like, well, Logan, you, you might get a, you know some ABs here or there. Like, right now, I think there's a comfortable they're, – they're very comfortable right now with Phil and the way he's swinging and the way he's playing defensively. Yeah, I just, I just wish that James didn't hate people from Westchester so much. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling that. As, I'm feeling I it. I know. It's like I'm from Westchester. Well, think about it. it. I mean, like... you're stuck with Jack as long as I am. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. You start to have some disdain towards uh, <laughs> towards Westchester. It's like I don't appreciate it. I mean, the guy's batting 900, James. It might be time to build around him. <laughs> and he's been barreling baseballs in that area since he was like, I don't know, in the early 2000s. He's been doing it forever. So <laughs> I, just, I just don't appreciate it. Also – is it time to like? Would would you extend Didi this second if he would do it? Hmm. Ooh, for how many years? Three year deal. Would yes. you extend Didi this second for three years? Yes. I, I I like I've always loved this game, uh, and so when he signed here, I was so happy. And it, yeah, I would. I would. Would you? Me, I would do it. I, I, I think, I think they should be looking to extend Didi as soon as possible. Like, there's, there's not really, there's not really another predecessor until, until you get to Stott, and I don't know how far away Stott is, you know, and I don't know if he's going to be even as good as Didi. I mean, Didi, man, I just, I just love everything I've seen. Everything, like everything, like he's a leader. The shortstop play is gorgeous. I mean, just a gorgeous defensive player. And then the at the plate, I don't know, man, like. If this is a full season, twenty-five home runs is is definitely there for him. I don't know if if I was them, Didi is is right towards the top of of most important things to to get done. Well, you know how like there's always the piece, right? That that fits the puzzle more than anything. Like he actually made this puzzle fit better than anything, in my mind, because he moved Gene off a of shortstop to third base, where he's accepted it, and he's dude, he's played a damn good third base, like really good. Now, offensively, we're waiting, you know, what is it going to be like? I get that, okay? But Scott Kingery playing second base has made, I, I feel like, just how drastic of uh, uh, the difference between his range and Cesar's range is, I mean, it's night and day. It's nothing. It's no knock against Cesar because Scott Kingery has the ability to cover some ground, and you need it with Reese over there at first. And you got to be able yeah. to cover the ground. And I think where, where Didi has really excelled more than anything is is putting everyone at ease and in spots to succeed if that if that makes sense on, on this yeah and great culture guy great team guy obviously Girardi knows him well I I don't know if I would I would be fine if they sent him now I would also be fine if they waited out I think the best argument to why they should try and sign him now is if you look at the other free agent shortstops available this offseason like Jose Iglesias is legitimately probably the best Free agent shortstop. I'm Moving along. Like it, Moving along. Jose Glaze, Tim Beckham, who's like not even a shortstop really. Jordy Mercer, JT Riddle. I mean, it is it. It's an ugly, ugly free agent class for shortstop. Didi is far, far, far and away the prize of that class. So, you know, if you do let him get to the market and he has a really good sixty-game sprint, then you're putting yourself in a situation where if a team needs a shortstop out there, it's willing to pay for it. You could get no bidding war. So, well, like, I think from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense. And like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do next year? Are they going to move Gene right. back to shortstop? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't know what the the plan is there, other than trying to to keep Didi here for at least the next two years. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, honestly, I can see that happening. And and for me, like with with Gene, I think, look. 
he's comfortable playing third base. He plays a lot of short anyways in, in the shifts that they play. So he gets it there. He gets his <laughs> he's able to fill his time there. I, I just look when you look at this team, for me, the depth is a lot different than it has been in years past. And there there's guys, it's good conversation rather than like, why is this guy here? You know? When you have battles and you have, you know, the to pick and choose and, and it's a tough choice, that's what you want. That's what you want as an organization. And I, I feel like they've they've started to accumulate guys, and that's a big thing. Well, it feels like they're accumulating guys not only uh, in the field, but it, like the bullpen, they might go youth. They might go in a youth movement right oh. out from, right out from the gate. And brother, that that is not a bad. I like. I'm sorry. I'm on the I'm on the page of seeing some of these kids. Like the stuff that they've shown, and you do it in the the inning increments that they're doing. Oh God, Connor Brogdon. Oh, best changeup since Hamels. Bro, it, it is straight <laughs> filth. <laughs> Best chance. Well, especially when you, I mean, when you look, it's like this is not a bullpen that you have a lot of confidence in a lot of guys. I mean, I really like Hector. I, I feel confident with Hector. Jose Alvarez, I'm in on Jose Alvarez. Oh. I mean, Adam Morgan, Tommy Hunter, if they could say healthy, but like, that's it. There's not another guy outside of these young guys who we haven't seen in, in major league games. There's not another guy who I feel confident in knowing what I'm going to get from those guys. So I, I absolutely think whether it's Rosso or. Brogdon or, or Clevenger or these guys, like I think those are the types of guys who should get a shot. Yeah, Ross, Rosso's got that like Dave Stewart like hook, you know, behind when he goes behind, behind his back. Yeah, and, uh, and, and then the same type of movement on his fastball. You're going, oh, here that that dude's disgusting as well. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of Contreras uh, from from that standpoint. Um, I like I I hope they don't mess around. Like I hope they don't mess around and and worry about keeping guys down for a little bit. Like, if Ramon Rosso is one of the best bullpen guys, get him up here from day one. Like, you don't have time to mess around with him being up in Lehigh Valley. Like, he, I think Ramon Rosso should be in the bullpen from day one. Brogdon's same kind of thing. Uh, Clevenger, I think, is just nasty. Like, Clevenger's, a, Clevenger's a guy that you let him go down, right? You This is opinion. You let him go down, and once he gets, like, just – ready to go like he is hot like you you could just tell like you know he's throwing strikes not walking guys that's a big problem with him is the walk the, the walk percentage you get him here right away that that's the only thing with clevenger just he's got to be around the zone you can't you can't be wasting your time with guys here that are going to be walking dudes not 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 in a 60 game sprint I don't know. There might be a path to a pretty decent bullpen here. I, I actually that, that is one of those things that is one of those things that I actually think is is huge for them well, I think it's the biggest thing. I think it's the biggest thing. I think this offense is going to hit. I think the starting rotation, especially once we see Howard, will be good enough. I think it's going to come down to, to the bullpen's ability to, to you know keep them in some games and save some games. Kev, uh, how stupid has Spencer Howard looked? Oh, man. Well, look, <laughs> I think we've, we've built him up, right? And then when he matches that, you know what you've heard and you've seen? You've, I've watched so many starts of his in the last couple of years. Just watching and, and, and listening and going, okay, yeah, that looks great. And then you actually see it right in front of you, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> like, you're going fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, and you're going, what the hell is this? Like, where have you been? You know, like, you've known about it. But you're like, oh, the moment he shows up. And and I think it's it's special stuff. It really is. The way he attacks hitters, and I think the other day, uh, you know, him throwing to JT was a big deal. JT playing seven, you know, seven innings in, in an inter squad game. Uh, was it inter squad or was that the Orioles? That was inter squad. And yeah. 
I think after about, I think I want to say it was a second hitter. I can't remember who it was, but you could just tell JT like looked out there going, all right, I'm going to call the game how I want. Like, not like we're going to work on some things here. You know, I want to see. He's like, all right. Like, he just let the training wheels off right there. And he well, started good. calling the game. Well, no, because you want to, you want guys to get comfortable, right? You want guys, when they get on the big league mound, you want to make sure that they're comfortable. And it only took like two. It, it might have been even one hitter where he, like JT was just like, damn, all right. And you could just see the way he was working him and the way he was pitching, right? He was allowing him to pitch. That was so huge. A guy like Brian Price, mm. the most I, – I, I mean, I, I think I was – when I was talking today to uh, John and Joe, like my, my biggest thing I said was like it's the biggest acquisition. It's like the three of them with Joe Dillon, Brian Price, and Joe Girardi. I mean, that right there, you see the, the confidence that these guys have, right? Well, Spencer Howard benefits from a guy like Brian Price, and he benefits from a guy like JT Realmuto. He benefits from a guy like Aaron Nola, guys that he sees, right, that he has these conversations with of how to attack hitters, how to do things. He is around those people. He's around guys that give him confidence. They know his stuff. They know they've they've talked to him enough to know his personality, where he's going to go with. And I think that is a we are seeing just a little bit of Spencer Howard right now. There's a lot more in that tank, and it's going to be like the way I look at it too. What if what if Vince Velasquez is, is is real? Okay, we we always do this. What if right? If he is for real, if uh, you get the you know Zach Eflin going well, how would that guy look in the seventh and eighth, ninth? <laughs> Just shutting down a ball game real quick. I mean, it, it, it's it's possible. It really is possible. And and I wouldn't. I mean, if they're if they are rolling. With the starting rotation. Let's just say they do it. That guy in the pen, you talk about shot in the arm. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Good God. Yeah, so it's a, look, it's interesting because you got all these you got all these scenarios. Uh, the roster, how it's how it's made up in the 30 man is is one thing, but it's you gotta keep on looking at the twenty six. There's gotta be, you know, there there's there's going to be a method to their madness, right? When it comes to putting out the first 30, because you feel like you're going to have guys in and out. Uh, Zach Wheeler having his baby today. Congratulations, Zach. Not going to yes. miss the start. So that's a huge deal. You know, um, unless he, he realizes like, damn, I'm not getting any sleep. Can I get an extra day? Um, well, that- jo- Joe Girardi and his, uh, you know, his uh, emotional intelligence will totally understand from that standpoint. Not sure the uh, last guy would have got it, but uh, Joe, Joe, be like, hey, man, if you need a day, take a day. You know, that's, that's the beauty of this Phillies coaching staff. As we move along here, Jack, uh, so, no, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. It, it, look, we have seen Joe Girardi from the very beginning. This is not like just to, uh, you know, sing his praises for on anything. He has proven to us what he is, who he is, and what he's about. And you could say everything you want. Nothing scripted on this guy. Nothing. This guy is genuinely a great human being first, right? And so when it comes to the Zach Wheeler, like he, these guys know he has his back. You know, each other's back. And it's it's baffling to me to see the difference. And did, did Gabe have the guy's back? Yeah, absolutely he did. You know, like the random shout-out Sean Rodriguez for taking two pitches today. Great job. Hmm. You know, like that's that that stuff. I'm not saying you need that, but you don't. You don't as a player. You know what you you you're doing right. 
You don't need someone to go out of his way to sing your praises in the media. You don't. So, well, yeah, I would also think that it also like other players see that and go like, he didn't do that or that wasn't good or what. I mean, you know, I, I'm, yeah. there, I'm sure there are a lot of players in that locker room where look at what he said and said, bro, like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe just a few, maybe just a few. Uh, so as we are here, the High Hopes podcast with Pintar for breakfast, Jack Fritz, James Seltzer, myself, Kevin Franzen, boys. I know everyone has your your Twitter handles. Let's make sure that it gets out there. Jack, the single most James, you would agree, like the single most like the highest highest tweeter, Billy's <laughs> tweeter. Since, oh yeah. I I mean maybe ever. I, I mean the volume you know, is insane. I think, I think you might say Jack is the dean of Philly's Twitter. How about that? I would I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of pressure. Uh, it, it's but, really not a pre- like any pressure when it is who you are. Yeah, I mean right? uh, you know pressure makes diamonds. I feel like I was uh, <laughs> built for this, um, but yeah, sure. They've also we've made let ourselves down too, a horrible so path, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, we have. We have. Listen, we have. I mean, do we need to talk about my Twitter game? It's listen, I I don't know. I, my Twitter handle is at Jack Fritz WIP. If you want a lot of Phillies tweets, uh, you're get Phillies tweets. That's that's what I'm here to do. It's it's directly my brand and and i've said it before i'll say it again really the only thing i care about and i need them to be well jill will say something about that Uh, jill i'm talking not real well phillies are real life but like they are real life that is your life i know and honestly i'm feeling a little uh, you know well james can give his twitter handle even though it's just uh him (laughs) retweeting and putting out yeah it's it's at james seltzer and it's just me tweeting out podcasts it's just it's just tweeting out podcasts links from once once games start again i make it sound like it's a bad so i'll be there yeah i know james james just like he just is just not a Twitter guy. You know, he'll, he'll check yeah. his mentions every once in a while, check in, see if they're a dumpster fire or not, and then <laughs> and then go 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 spend life and go uh, spend time in his real life. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there <laughs> living and dying with these freaking inner squad games on I YouTube. I think this is a really fair way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, got, I got Franzen and, and Murph on my on my YouTube, and I, I, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I rewatched the like I saw so the last week I was watching them. I Obviously, when I got home, and then I, since I couldn't sleep because I was couldn't stop thinking about Vince Velasquez breaking out, I was waking up at like six a.m. and rewatching it. It was <laughs> it truly felt great to be back. And honestly, honestly, like I was kind of so. I, full disclosure, never lie to the high hopes listeners, Kevin. Uh, you never. That's fine. Yeah. You, you never lied to the the pine tar for breakfast and high hopes listeners. Like if you're gonna join this podcast or be a part of this podcast, you cannot lie to the high hopes listeners. Like that's Perfect. that's part of the deal. Fine right? with me? Yeah. So honestly, I had a I did predictions thing for Radio.com, and I was like giving out. Uh, you know, AL East and kind of went through the whole NL and I was looking at it and I was like, there is just no shot. This team is making the playoffs given the teams in the NL East. And then before we started rolling on this podcast, it came out <laughs> you were, that, you were in, huh? that we're getting, might get expanded playoffs and dear major league baseball. I'm going to need you to figure it out because I'm yes. feeling a pennant yes. chase, baby. Ooh. Feeling it. I mean, like, it's, there's a legitimate excitement for, like, obviously we're excited for baseball to be back, but there's a legitimate chance this team can make the playoffs. There's 16 teams that might make it. Like, that's crazy. It's 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 almost go time. See, I and here's the other thing I would go with. Uh, this is this is not being broadcast, or this is trying to be honest and, and everything to the high hopes. Uh, they already know on Pine Terror, you know, 
Shout out hundred listeners. My bad. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I I do think with based on how other teams have had guys pull out, uh, guys being sick, some guys getting hurt uh, early on in camp right now in in summer camp. I I do think when you look at the Phillies roster, knock on wood. It, <laughs> They could, they could Things seriously break in their way. Let's say, right. Things are breaking their way a little bit. I And, and part of winning a division part of winning, uh, you know, moving forward in playoffs is luck. Uh, you don't want to ever say that injuries are, are, are luck, but when other teams have guys that are missing, you know, certain times, I mean, that that's some good, some good juju going there. Right. I mean, that, that's a big, that's a big thing. And, and for me, I, I look at it. Two t- two guys in ESPN picked you know the the Phillies to win the East. Who were they? Because they should be applauded. No <laughs> one sh- no one knows. No one. You cannot tell me you know every single team that's going to be you know winning their division because every division is so different, right? The well, Dodgers. The Dodgers could look conceivably. The Dodgers probably should run away with the NL West, right? We should we should say that. But what if they get off like two years ago, they started out, they were 500 through two months, right? And then they went and played like 900 baseball after that. But what if, right? I mean, that, that, that there's so many what ifs in this whole thing. Like for me, the Chicago White Sox are that team that could get red hot for 60 games. They got a bunch of streaky guys that if they get hot enough, oof, right? Yeah, they got a lot of young talent, too. I I think taking a step further, too, I, I would argue that this is in the history of baseball or in the history of, you know, one, the last 50 years, whatever you want to say, this is the hardest season to ever predict because it is not, look, talent matters, injury, luck, all that stuff is going to play a role. But this season, more than any other, these players are playing in the most unique set of circumstances in the history of baseball. I mean, these guys are playing in the middle of a pandemic with all kinds of fears and insecurity and unsure about everything, you know, getting your family sick, you getting sick, all this stuff. The players, the teams, the the organizations that are able to have guys compartmentalize that, are able to put that in the back of their mind and focus on baseball, lock in when it matters, they're, those are the teams that are going to have the most success, and I don't think we know who those teams are. Like, I think you need a certain level of talent. Like, if you say in a normal year there are seven teams, eight teams that could realistically, you know, heading in, you feel like have a real chance in the World Series. I think you double that this year. I think it's like no. fifteen teams, just because we don't know how these guys are going to react to this unique moment in time. And then, like you said, streaks. A bad start could sink a team. A great start could make a team make the playoffs. I mean, there are yep. so many different. Factors and, and, that, and, and that's why with the Braves, especially, right? I mean, like, look, with Freddie being sick and then now coming back and he's played, right? That, that is huge for them. Uh, it, it, and I, I would say for, for most, it's, it's huge. Um, Acuna wasn't great, but you know who he is, right? You know Albies, who he is. What if, if they do get off, like, to a slow start? I mean, that's a, that's a good thing. Now they could get red hot in a thirty game span, right? We could, you know, talk about it. So it is important how you get out of the shoot. Jack referenced it earlier. Like, do they sense that urgency? You know, the Phillies, and and for me, I look at it like yes, they do because they understood where they were the last couple of years, and they started out red hot, like not red hot, but like, you know, you're in you're in first place in July both months or both seasons under Gabe Kapler, and then it kind of, you know, we we get that whole thing. So I I think that there is a sense of urgency from them. Uh, 
you know what scares me about the Braves though? Because you win two straight NLEs titles. Uh, you, you you get Ozuna, um, who got all kinds of young killed, talent in the pipeline. Dude, still, the Shoemaker kid is the one that like. Oof, have you seen him play? Who the shortstop? No, I don't think I've seen him yet. Out of Texas A and M, he's a lefty hitter. This kid, oh my. Yeah, like, I mean the the Braden Shoemaker from Texas A and M, lefty hitter. I mean, if Swanson were to go at some point, because like he he kills us, he seems to kill us every time. I'm okay with that. <laughs> all I know but is this kid. They, they have depth everywhere. All I know yeah, is that Colin Patchy, Drew Waters. I mean, Ian Anderson. Oh. They're they're stacked, man. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Wright hasn't even figured it out yet, and I still think he's got some nasty stuff. I I'm kind of I'm kind of eight. It's no big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just roll a lot of bad. It's nasty. And then Mar- <laughs> Marcelo Zuna. I don't know. I haven't looked up the stats, but I'm 97 percent sure he bat 600 against the Phillies. Like when I was when I was talking about Jack, like, it's actually 700. I think you got that. Wrong. And like I don't know I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but they're always like tank shots like no doubters now i do think it helped that they were all off of sean sean o'sullivan um but like marcelo zuna i i'm already that team just they have so many freaking phillies like freddie freeman's impossible to get out acuna uh swanson now they had marcelo's like thank god donaldson's gone like donaldson donaldson was another one that just stepped right into a braves uniform and all of a sudden i'm gonna yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna well, come on. i mean because camargo is a really good player you know and you look at that and i'm like oh man like they well but it but, takes but, it, but to it, your it, point before kev i do think like marcakis opts out uh, yes. freeman, another killer. that's a leader he's playing, that's a leader not Freeman is not necessarily like in total game shape to start the season. Cole Hamels not going to be ready to start the season. Who knows how long it takes? Same thing with the Mets. Marcus Stroman just tore his calf muscle. He's going to be out a while. Uh, I mean, Rick Porcello is going to miss a start. Not that I'm a big Porcello fan, but he's a starter for them. I, like I do think that who's when you're Porcello? looking at is that a new player? Yeah, who's who's Rick Porcello? <laughs> Porcello. There you me. go. Well, is you, that like I didn't say Gallo? I said Callo. So I didn't call you out on it. <laughs> But my cousin I mean, Vinny right here or it what? Do, it does feel we get into name stuff a lot. Kevin. <laughs> I love um, it. it does feel like things if you're looking at it, like things are breaking more in the Phillies direction than not as far as the division goes. Yeah, I mean, Austin Riley stinks and uh, two homers tonight, guys. Don't worry about it. Austin Riley. Yeah. Oh, he stinks. I'm not, I'm not worried about <laughs> really? Austin. you think that guy's OK. Yeah, I think he's staying. I think okay. I think he's like Frank Core. Now, I know you like Frank Core, but it, like he's kind of a Frank Core ish kind of player. And I'm sending this take to Frenchie <laughs> right now. Yeah, like, look, it, but he's so. He, here's the deal: he's 22. He yeah. has so much time to develop, like truly develop. He had nowhere else to go and develop in the minor leagues. He was crushing everything. So that that you know that that's a part for him that it, I think will come. He'll have to under you know obviously he's going to have to learn how to hit something that spins. Uh, yeah, he he can hit a fastball. We we do know that. Yes. Um, how about against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies? Yes. In eighty nine games for Marcelo Zuna, <laughs> he's a two eighty one hitter, fifteen. So homers, not seven hundred. Forty eight RBIs. 793 OPS. And 15 homers is a lot. I don't know. I'm just saying, during the rebuild. 15 homers? Did you say 15 homers? 15 homers, yeah. In, in 89 good. games, it's not bad. Yeah, listen. In, in, uh, he has one more homers six against games. the Brewers. I mean, that's pretty good. One every he has six more games. homers against the Brewers in 69 games. I mean, that's interesting. That's actually pretty impressive. 17 homers in 69 games against the Brewers. Yeah. Wow, that's really impressive. Kills the Brewers. So we talked about the Braves. I don't know. Where are we at, where are we at on the Nationals? Uh, I, I did look. I, I think uh, 
when you look at the Nationals, I'm never going to say that there's any positive out of the pandemic. None. And I hope that comes across. There's none. But if there is a silver lining for them, they got that extra rest for those guys that went deep in the playoffs. What is totally the biggest, agree with you, Kevin. What is the totally. biggest problem these guys have year after year? You know, they go to the playoffs or, or whatever. They have that short break, and I feel like and, – and maybe I'm way off. Maybe I am. Maybe this is something I'm looking way too much into. But for me, I look at, I look at the Nationals as being a scary team – with the pitchers, the starting pitching, especially those guys that can go now deep into games, we'll see. Uh, yeah, that, that I feel like I don't know. I, I I get I get this sense that we're we're as an industry overlooking them too much, not giving them enough credit for what they did last year and who they really are. Because you go from you know the first sixty games to to what they were uh, at the end of the year, they're the best team in baseball for pretty much four months of the year, five months of the year, four. We'll go four. Yeah. No. And then, uh, you know, I think you nailed it on the head. I, I would say the two teams that, again, to your point, there's no real silver lines. There's no positives out of the, the pandemic. But the two teams who benefit most from the way this played out, I think, are the Nationals and the Astros. The Astros, mm. for obvious reasons, not even going to opposing stadiums right. and fans and all that stuff. Um, but I, I think the Nationals, like I, I really was down on the Nationals before the pandemic happened for that exact reason. They had to work those guys so hard, so deep into October, seven-game series, seven-game series. Scherzer, and just Scherzer, Strasburg, Scherzer and, Strasburg. Yeah. Exactly. So I really I, – I was I thought that was going to be a big advantage for the Phillies, that the Nationals were not going to be as hot out of the gate. And and losing Rendon obviously is massive, but I'm with you. Look, if you're, if you're rolling out a, a ready-to-go Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin at the top of your rotation, like – you have to be taken seriously. You well, see, that's a, that, you bring up the good point, though. Like, so I, I was on record in saying that the Nationals had the ability to mask the loss of Bryce. You're never gonna, you're never gonna fulfill what Bryce did for them mm-hmm. with one guy. You're gonna have to have multiple guys' career years to match that, right? But you lose Rendon on top of it. Now, you don't have that you don't have the pieces right what we see you know keyboom could be something you know carter keyboom he's good but could he be rendon Eh. could they have a, a lot of guys put up rendon type numbers i don't know they had enough talent in the minor league system with soto robles uh and and not even the the minor league system but with eaton to combine those three guys to make you know the loss of bryce you know, up for it, right? In the outfield, the infield, I don't see it yet. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Hey, listen, you guys are a bunch of babies. That team's finishing fourth in the division this year. I don't oh, care. Oh, oh, buddy. Come on. You kidding? you kidding me? Young Gomes. Kurt is now, because Suzuki's going to hit seventh out. Like, I, Kurt Suzuki's going to hit a backbreaking home run against us. <laughs> Maybe the king of all Phillies killers. Because uh, he's the random Phillies killer that sucks usually, but against the Phillies, it's like, oh, <laughs> here comes Kurt Suzuki. Howie Kendrick might hit 400 this year. All the rumors from everything you've heard down from Washington. And is that he's still crushing the baseball? Starlin Castro. Guys, I, I witnessed him hitting 390 for 70 games in A ball. Yeah. Actually, he was 60 games in, in Rancho Cucamonga the year that Brandon Wood hit 43 homers. Uh, Howie Kendrick Wood. was the most ridiculous hitter I've ever seen in my life. As a teammate, he was one of the most ridiculous hitters I've ever seen in my life. And still to this day, is one of the most ridiculous hitters I've ever seen. Former Philly great. Got a Mackenzie Mills for him. Um,. <laughs> 
<laughs> Carter Keyboom, get out of here. Trey Turner hasn't had a big hit in 100 years. Now, Juan Soto is obviously going to... Juan Soto is so legit. Yeah, I mean, Juan Soto is going to kill legit. us. Listen, I, Juan Soto is is probably the best bet in baseball. Is Juan Soto the best bet in baseball? Him and, him and Acuna? Uh, mm. I, you mean long term? Yeah. yeah I, I, I would go Acuna over Soto, but really close. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go there. Yeah, yeah but then, like, Robles does nothing for me, and... Adam Eaton, nah. Listen, he had a nice postseason. Nice postseason. Adam Eaton's been a pretty big disappointment down in Washington. So, no, I'm not. Listen, sure. Obviously, the big three is the big three. But did you see what that Phil's lineup did, did to Max Scherzer? So, you know, and that bullpen's still trash. You know, Doolittle, <laughs> Doolittle, I, I am, Doolittle is, it was cooked last year. Will Harris is like 39 years old. Daniel Hudson had one shot in the arm. That's all he had left. Tanner Rainey is a good, and Wander Suero is going to be good. But that's it. Like, I, I'm so sick and tired of the Nationals. Last year was a fluke. I'm out. They're, they're finishing fourth in the division. The Phillies are going to finish third, and the Mets are going to finish second. Wow. <laughs> Oof. Wow. I mean, you coming in hot. That was takes. You are coming in hot. Listen, I'm just sitting here thinking there's a three-man pod, so it's easy to sit here and gather my thoughts. Start <laughs> start looking over the Nationals roster. Here you guys guys uh, clamoring. Oh, Scherzer, Strasburg, I give respect. I, I give respect to where it's due, and, and, <laughs> and that to me – Look, I, I think we still, as a whole industry, we don't give them enough credit for what they did. We don't. And that, that is a, that's a hell of a team. I mean, they they have more to make up for this year. Losing Ryan Zimmerman for the year is, you know, for, for most, they, they lose him throughout a season every year, it seems like, right? Through injury, but you're losing him out of the clubhouse. And that's a big part of that clubhouse. Uh, so I, I that's the one I'm interested to see who takes over that. Max is Max is awesome. You talk about like a, a, as far as leader, but it's who can make up for Ryan, and, and that almost goes in line with you know you lose J Dub. Well, you have Ryan Zimmerman there that could make up for the the clubhouse type stuff there, right? And you lose Ryan as well now, and you're like, ooh, that this I don't know, I don't know, I don't I, I don't I don't know where we're gonna go with that. It feels um, like it feels like it has to be Scherzer. I mean, if there was one guy to do it, I mean, Scherzer's the guy that could carry that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. I mean, he's you put anything on his plate. He's in, right? I mean, it just it, it feels like that. Uh, what about the Mets? I mean, it, with with the guys that they're going that have gone down so far, and Jacob Degrom being hurt, brutal. That's brutal. It, I mean, it, that might be right now. That might be the biggest injury in baseball right now. What what happens? Because how that? good Jacob is Degrom he? Thing? I mean, like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, if there's a if there's two people in this world I, I sing the praises of more than anything, it's Jack Fritz and Jacob Degrom. No, wow. it, it, and it's not usually, James Seltzer. I like that. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> my my whole thing well, is. I mean, how could I be compared to two pitching greats like Jacob right? Degrom yeah. and Jack Fritz? Two right? guys that just know how to get outs. Um, but I mean, like Scherzer and Degrom are the two guys that I I, I feel because they compete and everything, and I feel like for baseball in general, you hate seeing. Guys like that being down at any point in time. So uh, whether or not, you know, he's missing a long time or whatever or no time, it's they, – they start piling up and you get the Stroman deal and you're like, dang, man. Like that actually – that rotation scared me because that was the one thing I told you last year, Jack, and, and they actually did it at the end. And I don't care who they were playing. I got an argument on MLB Network Radio talking about this because uh, the guy I was working with was saying, well, they played nobody – like the game of baseball, in my mind, uh, is a little screwed up. Anyways, but in my mind, 
has you still got to go out there and compete and do it right and it doesn't matter who you're playing like the the Phillies with the Marlins right you still got to go out there and compete and win in baseball so many things can happen for that you know to go wrong they played such good baseball in the second half because that starting staff was ridiculous their first baseman hits 50 something homers and you're like Good God, that guy's going to go nowhere because why? Because he's got the like the simplest swing for a big dude, right? For sure. Uh, and, and I'm looking at them. That's scary. Now you start taking away some of that pitching depth. Well, Stroman, I mean, Syndergaard, Stroman, towards calf today. That's that's a. I mean, now now I got to rely on Rick Porcello. And, Porcello, uh, <laughs> new guy. Rick Porcello. I mean, Rick Porcello. I, I don't know. Did you guys watch the the Yankees Mets game from what was it Sunday night? Like he was throwing. No, was, I have a life. He was okay. Well, I was watching. Oh, listen. Just because you two have young kids doesn't mean I can't sit there and watch Rick Porcello versus the Yankees. <laughs> uh, he was like eighty-seven miles an hour. Like just just with mu- sync, with sync. Yeah, he might be. But I mean, Porcello and Michael Waka is the uh, the uh, anchors to rotation isn't exactly. But you look at those two right and and. I, I talked about this last year, and I thought that the Astros did it poorly, where they went, uh, they had it going Verlander, Granky, Cole, all the way in the regular season, and or it could have been Cole, uh, Cole, uh, Granky, Verlander. Um, when they got to the postseason, then they they stacked up Cole, Verlander, and then Granky, and I feel like you put them, you put Granky in the middle of them, they run through everyone because it's just it's such a drastic change, right? All three guys. Um, when I when I look at like the Mets, a guy like Por- Rick Porcello, yeah, Rick Porcello, <laughs> um, he mixed in perfect between like Degrom and Stroman. I'm not saying he's a two, but just how you can mix and match and and get guys off their game in a series with him in the middle of them or a walker in the middle of them, I think matters. And so it's it just like losing one of those guys, losing a Stroman, losing a Degrom, losing a Syndergaard. You know, I mean, you, you still have Matt's. Is Matt's the the second half Matt's last year where he gave up like two runs, or is he? Huh. I don't know. That's that, that's the big question. The Stephen Matt's that got lit up by the <laughs> by the Phillies. Ten runs. Eight first runs. Inning. Was it eight runs in an inning or ten? Was it? Was yeah, I mean, I, I thought got, it was ten. I think it was. I think it might have been ten. I know. It was I my first it was game. Eight, at, it was I'm, my first I'm, game at doing it at at Systems Lake Park. Well, then like, you should know better than I would. Yeah, should. I mean, that's on. on you. I was so fired up. I was like, "This is awesome." That's like going. So you're talking about the rotations. I mean, that's like going from Max Scherzer to getting shut down by Thomas Eshelman. Well, and, and that's why. It, look, it is not. How about this? It's like going from Max Scherzer to Jack Jack Fritz. No, I mean, like I mean, going I am, from Pooslinger, you know, to a Pooslinger. I mean, I am pretty comparable to Thomas Thomas Eshelman. So, I mean, you talk about you know, fate, all you're doing right now. They're trying to in, Jack reference today in a in a text to me, James. I can't tell you exactly what it is, mm. uh, but it rhymes with Homer over you know <laughs> Joe Dillon, okay, and and what he's brought in the velocity training, and that's all they're doing, right? They're they're really emphasizing velocity and all that. So now you get in a guy like Eshelman, it's going to throw you off in that game, right? You're going to be bending at the hip. You're trying to reach. You you think it's coming because all you've been seeing for the last two weeks is you know 95 plus off a of machine, off of reaction time drills that you can do. It's just anything and everything is all about velocity. You throw an Eshelman, boom, you get like th- th- that's what's going to happen. 
Yeah, I, it's still tough to watch. <laughs> you know, it's still tough to watch. No, it is. No, I, I get it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Makes a lot of a... sense. And look, but that is the kind of thing that, like, once the season starts, you know, you still need to be able to hit those type of guys. So they have to figure out some sort of adjustment, right? That's going to work in those situations because you have, you will see pitchers like that. Before we go, we got to talk about Mookie Betts. We Mookie also, Betts. real quick, have to talk about the fact that I remember Kevin Franzen's first home game at Citizens Bank Park better than he does. Because uh, it was eight runs. Wow. Even about. Was wow. it? It just seemed like they – I thought they went double digits because it was unbelievable. Well, they they scored 14 total, but it was eight off of Matt. Wow. Yeah. It, mm. That game reminded – do you remember – You pro, well, I don't know. Do you remember that game against the Reds where they scored like – where they scored like 10 runs in the first off Cueto? And oh, they, yeah, of and, course. And they yeah. ended up winning the game like 20 to, to something. That was just one of the one of the random fun nights of the run. I think <laughs> I think – I think that was the same series. I think the same series that Travis Wood had a perfect game into the eighth, and he was Ooh. he was facing Halliday, and the Phillies broke up in the ninth, and Halliday still threw a complete game shutty. And and uh, uh, that's just that's just Doc being Doc, though. That sounds that sounds about right for for Roy. He's gonna keep it in. He's like, I don't care if this guy's doing it. I'm gonna keep doing my job, and we'll win. Like that's just how it's gonna go. Uh, Mookie Betts, twelve years, three sixty. Uh, $65 million signing bonus. Um, obviously awesome for the Dodgers. Awesome for Mookie Betts. How about JT? What do you guys got? Yeah, look, I, I obviously I think JT Romito, maybe the second happiest person in major league baseball. <laughs> I guess third, <laughs> if you want to say Betts, his agent is up there, but, um, yeah, look, I think for JT that, it, I mean, this is a huge deal. Cause I look personally, I, I thought that, the Phillies had screwed it up by not already having him under contract before all this happened. But once all this happened, I did understand the idea of the Phillies wanting to step back and try and get a better feel for what the market is. You know, I, I did think that heading into the offseason, once the offseason happened, that that owners were not just not going to hand out the type of contracts that they would have had all this not gone down, especially after, you know, crying poor and, and saying all this money they're losing and all this stuff. I just, I expected them to take it out on the free agent class. And look, they still might. Like, we don't know how it's going to ultimately play out. This is one team that was willing to do a deal with a, a transcendent generational type of player. But um, I think if you're J.T. Romito and you see Mookie Betts get essentially what we all thought he was going to get, maybe even slightly more than, than you know, in those numbers, where it was 350 to 400 were those numbers that you kept yeah. hearing. He's right in that range. I think it's a, a huge win for Romuto, and I'm I'm sure that he's not going to sign for a significantly smaller number than he would have prior, which I, I don't know. If you try and sign him last week, maybe you could. I don't know. I don't know what the inner workings are. I don't know where he's at. If I'm him, I'm taking it to free agency either way. Like, why not at this point personally? But um, I, I definitely think you're you're really happy to see this contract if you're JT Romuto. Yeah, and it's uh... – it's you know it's just annoying it's 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 getting annoying that it's not done yet like i the fact that this happened i think was surprising to me like i didn't think anyone was going to sign during the season i thought they were going to i thought everyone was pretty much going to wait till free agency yeah and the thing that annoys me the most is like this could be over if they now obviously it takes two to tango but like <laughs> this could this could be over if the phillies wanted it to be over like they rather than risking losing the player like this could just be done, and and JT could be here, and we don't have to worry about it. And like, the whole thing with JT is I don't know what the plan is if he's not here. 
and I don't know what the plan is. If, if JT's not here, I don't know where they go from here. Uh, you know, it would, I mean, Bryce would, it's important to factor in your best player when you're talking about building a team around him. And it's just going to be a hard convincing uh, to, to tell Bryce that the team's going to be fine if JT's not here. Like, sure, they can go out and sign George Springer and like maybe everything would be fine. But, I mean, everything that JT brings is is part of the value of JT Real Muto, how, yeah. he, how he calls a game, uh, his defensive prowess. Now, I, his bat, I think people make too big a, big a stink about the whole, oh, uh, he'll be a DH, you know, and when I like his bat's not special it's for, no for it's a, definitely not for a catcher it's special um so like that it, see that yeah, that's where we'll that's always differ it, well that's where the, we'll always well, differ the argument you could say is maybe if he's not catching every day exactly. does that allow him to be a better and hitter you, sure you i think that's see. a fair argument but but right now the reason he the, the reason he is you know his bat has so much value is because he plays catcher yeah and, and look here's the other thing too as jt gets older if he gets slower, it's still faster than every catcher in game in baseball. Yeah, well, that's that's right. True. So, so you're talking about an athleticism where, you know, his legs are are a huge deal because he's not slow. He's not Yachty. Yachty was like you. We're seeing someone go from really slow to like almost slower than Benji, right? And that's hard to do. Yeah, for sure. And, and so, like for me, JT, the way he is, just you know, physically. Um, I, I, that's a huge thing. Um, how about this? 115 of the $365 million is deferred. Ah, so yeah. he didn't get the contract we all thought he was going to. Well, that's and a, here's the deal. So he, got, he does not include opt-outs or a no-trade clause. So he has those still in there uh, with the no-trade. So does not include opt-outs hmm. or a no-trade. So. So a very team, actually quite so here's a team the deal. deal. Definitely. If, if, if bets is traded, deferrals in subsequent years will be converted into present day dollars, creating greater financial value. Hmm. So it's a win on both sides. And if the, the Dodgers end up getting out of it at some point, I mean, it's the benefit to the player. There you go. So, hmm. There's a lot of things, and, and look, they're going to have to get creative with JT, but, I mean, you got guys coming off the books next year, but I think building this franchise, um, it's not a one-player thing, right? Like, you're not looking at – Bryce Harper should never alone win you world. It can't. Nope. It is about the whole team aspect, and it, and it always will piss me off that everyone puts – Everything on Bryce about the three hundred thirty million. Like he didn't play up to three hundred thirty. Yeah, no one in the history of the games ever played a three hundred thirty million dollar year. But what he did was play above his his value in what he brings as far as what twenty six million, twenty seven million a year. That is insane. The insanity people think Bryce Harper has done a benefit. The Phillies did themselves a benefit in getting a contract this long because it starts to you know dwindle down towards the end when we see all these other ones go up and you can't build teams around that. Bryce Harper has made it possible for the Phillies to build and continue to build around him. And maybe he is the bar, right? Like maybe we said it and no one's ever going to make more than Bryce. Well, that's fine. Because if you could have... you. It's hard to build it around a team around $35 million a year, right? You take $10 million or, or, or $9 million off of that, you can start spreading that pretty good. 
Well, I think that's why it makes it so frustrating that the JT thing's even gone on this far. Because, um, like, J- Bryce did sign that contract to add stars to it, and you traded 6 for JT. Like, JT's the guy that when you trade uh, when you trade for him, you're yeah. you're you're paying him. So that yeah. that's what makes it a little bit frustrating. But I will say, I think, like, JT is also definitely worried about setting a precedent for catchers. You know, and and making sure that they get their get their money. And what sucks for him is that it's just not the. I don't think it's the off season to do that. And it's unfortunate that the the pandemic happened happened from that standpoint for him. But it's kind of the realities of the situation. Like the reality of the situation, he's not. I don't think he's going to get twenty six million dollars a year. I don't think he's going to surpass the the Mauer contract. And you know, I think there's there's a middle ground that these two have to to come to. And I I just it'll happen. I, I'm a, I'm full belief that it's going to happen, full belief. Uh, here's my other and last point before I get off. 16 team playoff. We already referred to it. If the first round is best of three, do you like it? Hate it? Love it? I'm I'm fine with it. Like I don't I like it better than best of one, for oh, sure. Yeah. So I think that's an improvement. Um. I would always prefer more games. I think that's what baseball is, and I think the longer yeah, tell me the series, it. the more the more <laughs> like yeah, the more likely you're gonna have the the correct team win. Yep. But I, I'm I think three is fine. Again, I think it's it's certainly better than one. Yeah, it's just a shame because that the one game the one games are always great. Like they're, they're the, the one games are great. The the three game series. Now you're talking like oh god, like you talk about as a fan. Excruciating. It's oh, it's so bad. As a player, it's even worse. But I mean, like as a fan, like you are living and dying. You're going, oh my god, like no. (laughs) That's how I. That's by the way, guys. Real quick, real quick, some breaking news. Uh, I have just come to an agreement to allow the Toronto Blue Jays to play in my basement this year. (laughs) Yeah. So everything's fine, dude. This whole thing is so screwy. I don't get it. Like I, I just wish. Uh, you know, someone tweeted it out earlier. It's like, can you can you make sure that uh, Toronto's taken care of before you worry about the playoff thing? I mean, let's let's be honest here. It's, it's not a it's not a bad point. I like, mean, has have you ruled the out? The season starts tomorrow. Hey, yeah, I, know. I will play. say this. I will say this. Let's say they are the Road Warriors and they are just playing everything on the road the rest I, of the year. I think that's what's going to happen. Okay, Honestly, at this sucks. point, would like, you would you I mean, put that... money on them? I would. Why? Because that, oh, like that is like that is the ultimate. I think that would be the ultimate. I, I don't know. Like, just feel-good story. Just someone having to do, like, you know, hey, Oh, yeah, away, it would be fun come to see you That's just a, that's a tough beat, man. Everyone else is at home, and you're in hotels the entire season. You're away from your family for months. They already have to do that. I think it's already a really tough spot for the Blue Jays. I, I just – I'm not expecting a lot out of the Blue Jays this year. Well, it's one of those things where you're going, man, like, I hope for the players because, I mean, look, with their families and everything, it's kind of like, – I can't even imagine. Like being a player that has a family with them in Toronto, not being allowed, you know what I mean? Like it just now it's now it adds in something else, and you're going, yeah, it's brutal. I just hope it, I I I just hope it ends up great. I really do. So uh, before we get out of here as well, I mean, Kev, how weird was it <laughs> calling a baseball game without a baseball game in front of you? It was weird, uh, but guys, I mean, like, look, I have a great time around the game, anyways. Uh, I'm gonna find a way, and. Like I just like you sit back and you realize you already knew how pro he was, but Scott Fransky's so pro. Like when it comes to this, friend of the podcast, friend of the pro. Oh, I, that is right. 
Am I even a friend of the podcast? Uh, you've like been technically on, because it's a cross pod. It's like no, you've so. been on two two crossovers. I would say that's a friend of the pod. Eh, all right. Anyway, uh, it, it's it's difficult. Um, it's worth it, obviously. Um, I I just think that when you when you take away something that's so organic right in front of you, right, that just happens, and you and, and you're now you're watching it from a screen. I really feel like we should be doing it from a bar. Agreed. With, with, a, be- with a beer? Yeah. Why not? Look, doing a game, being lucky enough to call a game is awesome. It sucks there's... <laughs> Fun. You should almost leave this in or something. I think it's Kevin's best point yet. <laughs> no, he's crushing it. Uh, really impressed at this point, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, I think he can still hear us, too, which I makes know, it which better. I know, which makes it even more frustrating for him. Yeah. I mean, just... I totally agree, Kev. Another great point. I think the smartest thing he's ever said. I think uh, it's the smartest yeah. thing he's ever said as well. Unequivocally. Yep. So, yeah. yep. <laughs> is he going to pop back up? Is he back? There he is. Hello. There we go. Hey. All right. Hey, you guys are here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what I would say is, look, calling a game is unbelievable. Not have Not being there in the ballpark sucks, but it is what it is. We're going to have to make the most of it. We will make the most of it. Hopefully it sounds good to you guys. Uh, the question I have, because the NBA, I watched one of the, you know, a little bit of the NBA game today, and they had their, you know, like the NBA, playing music, right? Yeah, up and down the court. What if they had like a, just like a, like just some sort of soundtrack going on in the background, not crowd noise. Would you be down with that? No, because you're not a pitcher. You don't understand. You got to lock in. You know, you can't be having, you can't be distracted by the music. All right, Kevin Costner, here we go. <laughs> Clear the mechanism. Exactly, you got to lock in. Mental ABC is a pitching. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of other things. They're trying, like the biggest thing is MLB, the Phillies, all that. They're trying. They're trying to make the most realistic, you know, broadcast we can. It just, it, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough. Um, so I want to make a bet, and I'm making, Ooh. I'm making this bet with both of you. Oh, I like that because uh, Mookie. No. Assuming we disagree with you, of course. <laughs> I think I think you will disagree with me. I am betting. I'll bet you beers on me that Vince Velasquez. Wait, 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 wait! Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We gotta like. It yeah. can't be from Pops's Brewing Company. Okay. okay? Oh, can't be from call, there because yeah. because yeah. we know that I mean, you're not paying. It's great beer, though. It's great. It's beer, great beer. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be losing a bet. It would yeah. be you know. You're, just hand, you're giving a handout. Yeah, All right. Ha- I'll pay for beers. I'll pay okay. for beers. Wherever <laughs> okay. we go, I'll pay for beers. Making sure that we're on the same page. Yes. Right, James? Yeah, this is yeah. – Oh, big time. This is very to camera of you, by the way, Kevin, uh, and, and <laughs> very disappointing. Um, wait, 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 wait. No, it's actually thinking <laughs> no, in realistic terms here. I'm I love kidding. bets. Um, I, I am betting that Vince Velasquez will have an ERA under 3-5 this year. Deal. I'm in. I bet you. I take the over. Deal. All right. Deal. Have fun. Have fun buying Deal. all the. Have fun buying all those beers. I can't take that bet. I believe. I actually believe. Oh. Wow. I'm on, I'm on an island. Yeah. I'm the only one who doesn't think Vinny's gonna be below three five. Oh, have fun buying those beers, loser. Yeah. No. I. I. If if he could stay with what he's been doing, oh my god! Like, gonna, oh my god! When Vinny three five is back is that, to is Vinny that? B and Jack is crying about it, I'm I'm gonna. All right, so I'll take I'll take the play. bet, but my my thing is gonna be a three seven. Okay, so I will take the over, but it's for me. I look at him being a, a below four guy to, this year. James below four. 
Um. Okay. So you're saying so I'm I'm betting both of you separately. Is that no? The idea I'm just here? we're just I'm just curious if you're if you're willing to go below four. Look, I think he's going to be around four. So I wouldn't bet on below four. But like, if I had to bet, I would bet on over four. I think he's in the the low fours. But I wouldn't be shocked if he's three nine six or something wow. like that. But I would I would take the over on four if if, if had to. If, if Vinny Velo is a three nine six guy, we're still having a parade down Broad yeah, Street. It's a, it's a it's a win. I, I think he'll be over yeah. four. I, yeah, I think he'll be over. Four. Okay. Just, why, I, do you, I mean, why do you? Why do you hate fun? Why do you hate? It's fun? disappointing. It's, isn't it more fun if we make a bet? If I had said <laughs> I agree with you, there's no bet. Well, you said three five, so I took the bet at three seven, and you know, like when all I right. win, I think we're I, all good. I think I found the fairest way to do this. Over under, me and me and Kev will be on the under of four. James will be on the over of four. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Have, yeah. So it's double yeah. beers yeah. for for James. Double beers for James. Right. And everything right. will Double be great. beers for us. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's see Boys, what we're doing it's here. Uh, again. The second one, I have a blast doing it. High High Hopes podcast, get anywhere you get it. Uh, it is the best, number one. It is absolutely number one Phillies podcast out there. I believe it. I don't lie to you guys. I don't lie to your fans. Thank you. My fans. Uh, you guys actually have like a marketing team for it, so it's all good. Appreciate it. <laughs> we do, man. That's what we do. Uh, <laughs> baseball. It's back. It is so back. Uh, uh like last prediction here before we get out. I mean, what, what are, are the two and one this weekend? Sweep one and two. I'm going to go two and one, two and one coming out of the weekend. Oh, that's, um, that's a bold take. That's the, that's the hottest take of this podcast. <laughs> really want to know. I, I think they start five and oh, wow. Whoa. I do. Wow. Is, and when is because, Spencer- because the reason why I say that is it's going to be the point where it's going to give everyone the false hope. I think. Are we uh, yeah, are we recording this? Oh uh, yeah, we're still recording. Perfect. So I, I think that false hope, and then it's going to become discussion. Like, where are we going to go? I am saying five and zero to start the year because of one reason and one reason only for Sports Talk Radio. Bang! That's, that's all I care about. There you go. Yes, let's go.